You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's up, Dub Nation? Recording this on a Thursday. Welcome to another episode of the Collaborative Warriors podcast. He's Brady. I'm Jazz. Lots to uncover. The Dubs, the first two games against Orlando and Charlotte, not too good on the road trip. The defense, though, really stepped up against the Knicks and the Pacers. Brady, let's jump, jump into that. The fourth quarter, especially against the Knicks, and, and, you know, they did pretty well against the Pacers in the win on Wednesday. What are you attributing this to? Is it just the fact that they're getting to spend more time together? Because... I was thinking about this as well with, with the Lakers without Anthony Davis, we've seen them struggle. Like their de defensive efficiency has dropped, you know, completely. They're not shooting as well. And I was kind of looking at this, like, okay, you know, most of those guys, it's a new roster, but I mean, you got LeBron Morris Caruso, KCP, you know, the guys who are getting a bulk of the minutes other than maybe Schroeder and, and Marcus all is getting some time there too. They probably have a tendency that they look at it like, Hey, we are going to try, you know, we know that AD is behind us, so they kind of get used to it. Do you think it's just the fact that we're going on, you know, over two months now, just about two months into the season, that the Warriors are just getting comfortable with each other? Yeah, I think that's the the far and away the, the overriding reason for it. I think, you know, especially with Draymond, you know, he's kind of, in addition to being a great defensive player, he's just such a unique defensive player. And you saw that so often when he first returned that, like, there were some times where he was, like, physically like moving Kelly Oubre or Andrew Wiggins yeah. or James Wiseman, just like, no, get over here. You're in <laughs> one place. And we've seen that from over the years. It's, it always cracks me up. Was, kind of what we got to do to you on a Sunday morning to get to work sometimes. Oh right? man, That's if, it. if yeah. that is not the truth, <laughs> my girlfriend will say the same thing. I promise you. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you know, it's like they're getting, they're getting used to, to playing with him. They're getting used to the system. Uh, everyone just looks more comfortable. They look more comfortable with each other. They look more comfortable with what they're supposed to be doing. There's, there's a lot more trust. And that's, you know, I think an underrated element of, of defense. You have to trust that if you do what you're supposed to do, that the guy behind you is going to cover you. So that if you're supposed to force a guy baseline and he ends up right under the hoop, you know that the help defense is actually going to be there. And I think we saw early on in the season that there were guys that were like, well, I can't force him baseline. Then he's going to have an easy layup because you don't trust that the guy behind you is going to be there to cut him off. And you start trying to do too much. And when you try to do too much on defense, you don't do enough instead. And I think that's really kind of what we're seeing. There's, there's trust, there's communication, there's understanding. And, and it's kind of the pieces are starting to fit together. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it, it comes with, like you said, the timing and, and getting to play with each other. I mean, Draymond missed, you know, the first you know part of the season was it four or five games that he had to miss. And he is the the anchor of the defense, as well as being the setup man, the point man on, on offense. He's he, he also does really calm everything down on the defensive end. And you can see him barking instructions at Wiseman, like, you know what I mean? Get down there and flatten out and, you know, making sure that you can see the ball and your man and all these little things that you're seeing everybody on the team start to pick up because you look at the dubs. I mean, what do they think they're third overall now in, in our second overall in opponents field goal percentage, top five in defensive rating. So they're obviously turning it around. And, and, you know, you've been seeing that a lot with, with some of the beat writers saying they're starting to find their identity. Now I look at it in, in my own way, which is that are they finding their identity in the fact that they're wildly inconsistent or <laughs> is the identity on the fact that they are able to, 
kind of, you know, what I mean, put it together on the defensive end. And even if not rolling on the offensive end, they can still keep themselves in games just by their intensity at protecting their own end. When you look at, especially now the offensive end, because the team has struggled, right? I mean, you got Steph and when Steph's going, he's averaging 30 a game. Second, I believe still to, to, to Bradley Beal in the league and scoring. But when you look at what, what they're doing offensively, and especially with the bench, right? And, and this is always an issue you'll hear about during the broadcast. You'll see in the games yourself if you watch it without any, any commentating on. The first, first you know, six minutes of the second quarter, first six minutes of the, of the fourth quarter, without Steph, they have issues. What do you think there's with Wiseman's return now and, and you know, getting Looney back who's, who's starting, do you think that'll kind of help the scoring woes? Because as long as they can, like, maybe score four to six extra points per those six minutes, I think that'll make a, a hell of a difference by the end of a game. Yeah, I think that's going to make a, pardon me, while a brigade of fire trucks decides to drive by my window right as you You live in downtown LA, so, I mean, it's, it's understandable, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a daily thing here. This, <laughs> unless we're doing two-minute podcasts, it's going to happen every time. <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think Wiseman helps a lot, and we've seen that already in the two games. His scoring totals have been pretty good. Uh, I think, you know, the issue with him is he's still not like a go-to offensive player. He's still kind of opportunistic. People have to set him up, or maybe he gets an offensive rebound now and again. Uh, but he's not really a guy where you just give them the ball and let him go to work. And that, I think, you know, as we've talked about in the past, is what's really missing right now from the second unit, not having Clay out there, not having KD out there. Um, you know, they just have a bunch of guys who are good complementary players, but they're not the guys who you give the ball and ask them to go to work. And, and so Eric Pascal's kind of been stuck in that role and some nights he does it well, some nights he doesn't do it well. And I just, I don't think they have anyone even with Wiseman back who you can rely on uh, to give you those 15 points off the bench. Uh, so I think it does get better with him, but I think at this point, you know, there is a level of, you know, they are what they are uh, with the bench. Um, I think that the defense can keep getting better. I think that the starting lineup offense and the offense when Curry's on the court can get way better than it's been. Uh, but those first six minutes of the second and fourth quarters, you got to buckle down on defense because I don't, I, I don't think we're going to see good offense from that unit. I think, you know, maybe once a week, they'll have that nice showing, you know, they'll have a Kent Bazemore explosion or an Eric Pascal explosion, but uh, I think they are, they are who they are at this point. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, you know, I think when I'm watching them, when I'm watching them play the, those, you know, 12 minutes of the game, let's say, because Kerr pulled the trigger early, you know, against the Knicks and against the, the Pacers. He's like, I got to get this guy back out there. Otherwise we could fall back by five, right? He was listening to Warriors Twitter. who was that, just yeah, harassing yeah, him nonstop yeah, yeah. for not doing that. Well, I mean, you have, and that's the thing. I understand you're trying to protect Steph. Um, ultimately the Warriors, I think they can end up as a five seed if, if things start to, you know, get a little bit more, like I said, you know, the inconsistency kind of stops and they're able to string together four or five wins a couple of times, at least between now and the end of the season, where it's like they put themselves in a position that they can move up to standing. So, uh, you know, they're only a, a game or a game and a half out right now. So it's not like they're, um, you know, in, in this, they have to make up significant ground just to try and get up there. But I guess in the, in the position that they're in, they have to ride with Curry. I mean, it's like, dude, if you don't play that guy, and I, I was surprised against Charlotte. Like, they stayed in that game without without him. Is that going to happen against a team like the Lakers or the Nuggets or the Clippers? You know, we all know the answer nope. to that. Yeah, so, I mean, that I, I agree that maybe he can try and change something up because he's been stuck with this with, with Steph for the longest time now where it's like, these are Steph's, you know, resting time and this is the time he gets to be on the bench. He's maybe if he can get a little bit more creative, but I do like the way they're they're playing more offensively. I mentioned this in the recap I wrote after the Pacers win is when Eric Pascal's going is the same thing as Kelly Oubre. 
they're driving to the rim and it, you know pascal had some had some big boy hoops you know in, the, in that win against the pacers in the in the yeah. fourth quarter where he was just taking it hard to the rim and either he was going to get fouled or he's going to get a layup and they all end up in six points so i think if they're able to maybe and, and kerr might have to look at trying to draw up some more sets and just saying we got to just hope for open shots out of this because no disrespect to damian lee and broad brad wanamaker they're not breaking a defense down no sir <laughs> no sir and Clay Thompson ain't walking through those doors till no. next season. <laughs> no, no, no. And so, I mean, you know, I do think, I think once they're able to, once they're able to maybe continue to get the defense down and we're seeing Wiseman get a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better, you might see him start to get some plays ran for him on the block. And again, it's not going to happen every time down the court because that's, that's not the system the Warriors play, but I will be interested to see how they progress with that. I do want to ask you one more thing where, you know, this has been a topic at ESPN covered it uh, on, on their website today is what the Warriors could possibly do at the deadline. Now, we're looking at this team. It's a middle-of-the-pack NBA team. Could it make some noise in the playoffs? Yes, I absolutely think they could They could steal around and with Steph maybe even you know make it a series in round two against no matter who they play. But when you look at the options for the franchise, that is best. The, that, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, the Timberwolves pick is top three protected this year. The Timberwolves stink. That's not, I'm not, you know, hating on them when I say that. That's a fact. They stink. Uh, if they if they stink again next year, that becomes unprotected. But again, that pick, if we're assuming they're going to finish it maybe as with the worst record in the NBA or close to it. So you're looking at, you know, definitely a top five. So if it falls into four or five, the Warriors could get it this season. What do you think is the best interest to do with that pick, either for the short term and for the long term for the Warriors? Like, what, what, how would you approach this if you were Bob Myers? I think I would approach it with flexibility. I think you have to field every call, um, which, you know, you do anyway, but I think you have to really think about anytime anyone comes calling because that is a really good asset. This is a tremendous draft coming up. And even with the Timberwolves having the worst record in the league, that's, I believe it's still a 60% chance that the pick is four or five. Mm-hmm. And so it conveys. Uh, so you're looking at, you know, a good chance of it being, a fourth or fifth pick in a really, really, really good draft. And if not, like you said, unprotected next year, where I don't see any reason to think that Minnesota isn't going to still be a horrible basketball team. So (laughs) it's a really valuable pick. So you have to take calls. You have to see what's being offered. If someone like Bradley Beal is being offered, you have to think long and hard about that. But here's what, what I think that the Warriors need to do. They need to prioritize their championship window not just for the next three years, but for the next decade. And that's what they did when they got James Wiseman. We'll see if it turns out, but they feel comfortable that he is a building block for the next 10 to 15 years. They feel comfortable that he is the kind of guy like the San Antonio Spurs started to build around with David Robinson, then Tim Duncan, then Kawhi Leonard, Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker in there. You know, they had a contender for 20, 25 years because they never sold too hard for the next year. And so the Warriors, you know, I don't think they're going to do anything to maximize this year because I think they recognize that, hey, maybe you can sell out a little bit and make it to the second round, but that doesn't mean anything. You're trying to win a championship and that's not going to happen this year. So they're going to maximize for next year and the year after. I think the key is, can you find ways to maximize for those years while also helping for five, seven, eight years down the road? Maybe that means keeping a really valuable pick. Maybe it means trading for a guy who's still young and who you can extend uh, and can really help you further down the road. Yeah. You know what? I I think that they're smart not to, like you said, they're not all in this year as they shouldn't be. You know what I mean now, but I do have to ask this because they did mention that in the ESPN article I'm talking about. 
would Bradley Beal move the needle this season? If he came in, would that would that be enough to put them in the top four of the Western Conference? That's a really fascinating question. That's a really fascinating question. Um, I I don't have an answer because truthfully, I don't know how good or bad Bradley Beal is defensively because I feel like he's given up on that end of the floor for the last few years because Washington has been so bad. Mm-hmm. And I feel like earlier in his career, he was a really good defensive player. At some point, Washington just started sucking and, and it wasn't worth his effort. Uh, so I don't know, you know what he has to give on that. Can he replicate Clay Thompson on that end of the court? I do think, I mean, with how well they've been playing lately or how well they've been playing in stretches lately, I think you bring Bradley Beal into the fold and, and things look pretty, pretty interesting. But the flip side of that is it's, it's hard to get Bradley Beal from a financial standpoint without giving up Andrew Wiggins in the deal. And there goes a guy who's arguably been your second best defender this year. Uh, and and Beal certainly isn't replacing that. Uh, Kelly Oubre probably gets a little less valuable defensively if you have to move him from shooting guard to small forward. It would be interesting. But, you know, if if you can swing a trade for Bradley Beal and there's the understanding that he's in it for the long haul and he wants to, you know, sign an extension and stick around for more than just, you know, two years or whatever, he's only 27. You know, that's, that's still pretty young. That's a lot younger than Steph, a lot younger than Clay. Um, he's a guy who I think could potentially put you into that championship window this year and make you potentially favorites next year when you pair him with Clay as well. The problem with that is that Joe Lacob and the rest of the ownership would be paying more in tax than 60 countries do in their entire, you know, GDP, the value of it. So that's what I'm saying. I don't know if it's going to be worth it for a team this year to take on Bradley Beal like the Warriors, because, you know, like we talk about Clay, it's, it's, he's obviously a different player, player than Bradley Beal overall. And I'm not going to say who's, who's better and who's whatever. I mean, I would rather take Clay, uh, you know, seven days a week, depending on what, what, what version we see of him next season. But I think when you're looking at the Warriors championship window, it's not this season. I don't think it's it's that hard to see that. I think that if they're able to keep that pick and use it as an asset either before, you know, this coming up draft that, that we're going to see in June, hopefully, I mean, depending what happens with the pandemic or July, obviously, because things are going to get delayed now. But if you're looking at if you're looking at their contention window, it's like, OK, if you can get a young player at that point, yeah, do it. You know what I mean? And 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 try and sign him or get another all star that it's worth paying the tax for when you, you're hoping you're going to have Clay Thompson back next season. Steph, I don't think is declining anytime soon. We, we've seen the way he's playing. So I right now, to me, it's like keep that pick. Keep it in, you know, as a as an asset. And if you and if if not, like you mentioned, if the, if the Timberwolves pick does fall to number four or five, they're not really sitting in a bad spot. So you can get another young guy you can build around, and then you got James Wiseman around, hopefully for another 10, 12 years. You're going to get another, you know, potentially superstar guard or a, or a wing in the at, at the position of four or five. You got him, so you got two building blocks along with Steph, you know, Clay. Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and we'll see what happens with uh, with Kelly Oubre. And that's what I wanted to wrap up with. Oubre has been much better in the month of February, averaging 20 points a game, a lot better than he, than he was in January. I think he was about 13. Uh, just looks more comfortable in the offense. Even his intensity, his demeanor on the court, he's playing with a lot more, uh, I don't want to say arrogance, but toughness. And, and like I mentioned, I'd say, I'd say surety that he is like, dude, I can play with these guys and I know what I'm doing now. Is that somebody you look to resign or do you move him before the deadline? At this point, I would lean towards resigning, to be honest. I, I, I still think you have to field the calls and see who's available. Um, may, there might be guys who are better fits. I know, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the Lonzo Ball rumor. And, you know, I think that would be a very, very interesting addition to the team. Um, I think you have to at least see what's available. But 
I don't think his trade value is going to be very good, even though he's he's been showing much better things. But, you know, approaching free agency has struggled for the first, you know, month, six weeks of the season, just now figuring things out. I don't think you, you're going to be able to get a lot if you trade him unless you attach something else. Resigning him, on the other hand, like you said, is money, 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 money for Joe Lacob when it comes to, to you know, the tax payments and, and he would be pushed to the bench. And there is that question of, you know, would he be willing to resign if he's going to be coming off of the bench? Uh, but at well, this, point, but Brady, I got to say, let's not be sorry about Joel Lacob spending money because that dude prints it anyways. Like we don't, never, you know, we don't. Yeah, I mean, he never. has the money to do it. Yeah, it's not like us. You know what my, I mean? Well, yeah, go ahead. My stance is not my money. Spend yeah. it. You're, <laughs> you're an owner. That's Ownership in sports, it's not a business game. It's a high stakes poker game. You are in there because you're rich and you can afford to gamble for a Larry O'Brien trophy. So bring all your money to the table, is my opinion. And I, I love Joel Lacob for that. He's one of the only owners in sports who doesn't treat it like an investment as much as he treats it like a sport that he's trying to win at. Uh, or so, you could be like, yeah. or you could be like Clay Bennett with Oklahoma city. Right. And just, you know what, just torpedo your own franchise with terrible financial decisions. Totally up to you though, Clay. Totally up yeah, to you. Yeah. You got, you got your options. What, what legacy do you want to build? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brady, let's, let's wrap up there for the, for this uh, episode. Don't forget y'all. You can catch the audio portion as well. We are on iTunes and Spotify and don't forget subscribe to the golden state of mind YouTube page. Um, Brady, anything you got, we got going on this weekend other than the games that we should look forward to. No, not I'm I'm sure I'm sure we'll come up with some interesting stuff. I've got a mailbag dropping tomorrow, so if if anyone here is here from Twitter and has some questions, uh check that out on our website. Uh, and otherwise, you know, we'll have some some coverage leading up to the All-Star game, um the ridiculous All-Star game, uh and most importantly some coverage of these tough games that they're they're finishing off the uh first half of the season with. It's it's a tough slate, and I think we're going to learn a lot about the team uh, in that in those final three games on the road. It's going to tell us a lot. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to seeing all, 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 you know, especially the the Portland and the Phoenix and the and the LA games. You know, after the Charlotte one coming up, that's going to be exciting. And don't forget, like like Brady mentioned, we got you covered for everything Warriors at GoldenStateOfMind.com. That does it for the Collaborative Warriors podcast. He's Brady. I'm Jazz, and we'll talk to you all next time.